Hello, my name is Nikolai Humphreys, and welcome to the Lancet podcast. This week, a focus on child development, as we publish online a two-part series and linked comment which provides an update on this global issue after the previous Lancet series in 2007. In a moment, I'll be discussing how the implementation of certain key strategies can reduce inequality in childhood development in low- and middle-income countries. Just before that, though, do look out for the comment linked to the two series papers, where Anthony Lake from UNICEF uses powerful language to describe the global action that needs to take place now. He says, The two Lancet papers present new evidence on the causes and consequences of developmental inequities in early childhood, and the exceptional opportunity we have to redress them. We must not ignore this evidence. Instead, we must act on it, working together to make safe and supportive early childhood development a reality for the world's poorest and most vulnerable children. Increased investment is needed in quality parenting programs and organized early learning centers for the most disadvantaged children. These services should also be better integrated into existing community-based programs across a broad range of sectors, including health, nutrition, education, water and sanitation, and protection. And we need to mobilize the political support of all stakeholders, including governments, UN agencies, and civil society groups. While the challenges ahead are steep, the imperative for universal early childhood development is clear. Every child has the right to develop her or his fullest potential and to contribute fully to society. Our responsibility to pursue this goal is just as clear. The first paper updates us from the 2007 series about the critical risk factors that need managing to prevent inequity in child development. Recent research emphasizes the importance of these risks, strengthens the evidence for the other risk factors including intrauterine growth restriction, malaria, lead exposure, HIV infection, maternal depression and exposure to societal violence and identifies protective factors such as breastfeeding and maternal education. Authors of this paper state how it is their goal to provide information to help the setting of priorities for early child development programs and policies to benefit the world's poorest children and reduce persistent developmental inequalities. Let's now hear from Dr. Patrice Engel from the Department of Psychology and Child Development, California Polytechnic University in San Luis about how to reduce inequity in child development in low- and middle-income settings. Dr. Engel, could you first tell us the scope of your research? What are the aims and remit of your series paper? We wanted to summarize the state of evidence regarding risks for early childhood development and also new evidence on program effectiveness that had been published since the initial series came out in 2007. We were concerned about the increase in inequality between countries because we recognize that early child development programs, integrated approaches, are one of the best ways of reducing long-term inequalities. And we wanted to have the best information possible to help countries with their policies and programs. Could you give some examples and briefly outline some of the interventions that can play a positive role in child development and thereby reduce inequity in this area? I mean, one of the examples that is an emerging example is incorporating child development information into primary health care visits. The most widely used approach is the Care for Child Development module, which was part of IMCI um, and has been developed and, and improved by WHO and UNICEF together. What this is is simple age-specific messages on child development and on responsive feeding that can be given by the health care worker. 
Responsive feeding refers to not just what you feed a child, but how you feed a child, how you encourage a child to eat. The module also has examples of problems that caregivers may face, such as maternal depression, and there are suggestions that the healthcare worker can use to advise the mother. The modules use the same IMCI counseling techniques of ask, listen, praise what is done well, give advice, and check understanding. So we reviewed two efficacy trials, one in Turkey and one in rural China, and a program evaluation in two countries in Central Asia, and all showed significant effects on parent behavior and child development. So we think this is a very promising approach. There is a trial going on in Pakistan right now that uses the same methodology with home visits, and I think a new one coming out in in three countries in, in South Asia. Secondly, we talked a lot about preschool and preschool quality improvements. Although formal programs generally have a greater impact, some of the informal programs that have a strong community component and good training for providers are beginning to show some effects. For example, in Cambodia, there's a home-based program that has a community mother working with a small group of children using a good curriculum that occurs early in the morning before going to the field, so it's not a long program, but the first results show that there is an impact on these children's development. Could you tell us what options there are for cash transfer payments and how these can be implemented in a sustainable way? One of the interesting things about cash transfer programs is that the funds are directed to the woman, to the mother. We have found, in the, the, we report three studies in Latin America that show that mothers that are receiving these cash transfer programs have children whose development has improved, and we suspect it's probably because the mothers are spending some of these funds on materials or or time to improve their children's development. So we're thinking, and I think several countries are interested in this, that if we actually incorporated an early child development component in with a health and nutrition program, we could have bigger impacts. And we are just about to evaluate a program in Mexico that has done this in the past couple of years through their Oportunidades program. So we're thinking that this maybe is a very promising area for um, improving children's health, nutrition, and development. How would you summarize the issues surrounding the scaling up of these interventions in an attempt to improve child development globally? You know, scaling up programs is a challenge, in large part because it, it, to actually improve child development requires working with several different sectors, with ministries of health and education together. And uh, we find that having some kind of legal framework helps this. A lot of countries are not very aware of early child development knowledge, so training and supervision is is important. We need to have advocacy. We find that sometimes governments will just do something very simple, like add a pre-primary year and not understand that early child development is a range of services and they need to be doing and they need to be aware that children learn differently in uh, in pre-primary, in early childhood education programs from in schools. But there are some very successful um, scale-up programs such as the Philippines, Chile, and India, and many of the Eastern European countries. So we have good models. And finally, could you briefly summarize the progress made here since the previous 2007 series? What are your hopes for the future funding and further improvements in child development programs? Well, the good news is we've seen a lot of new interest by donors in early child development interventions. We've seen a lot of new evidence, particularly some large-scale studies such as those by the World Bank and UNICEF. We're getting measures of child development. UNICEF has a child development measure in their survey, and we've got some projects going on in some IDB in Latin America and uh, UNICEF in East Asia to come up with global measures of child development. In terms of funding, we still, our biggest need is for governments to increase their funding for early child development. 
and also to commit to quality programs. We need education ministries to recognize that early child education is very different from pre-primary. We need health ministries to see the benefits of incorporating early child development into well-child visits and home visits, particularly for the most disadvantaged. We need to find ways of reducing the negative effects of extreme stress on children's developing brains. But I think the overall message is that to reduce inequalities, all children, particularly the most disadvantaged, should have good nutrition and health, absence of extreme stress, and opportunities for learning in their earliest years. That is a very clear message. And once again, thanks for taking part in the Lancet podcast. Thank you very much for doing this. I look forward to it, and, and I hope that all who listen to this will recognize the, the real potential in this approach. And that brings this episode of the Lancet podcast to a close. My thanks to Patrice Engel. Thanks for listening. Take care. See you next week.